0: This morning, I think back to where we were one week ago and one week ago, Pastor Mark was here and we read Romans chapter 12 verse 1 that God is urging us to make our lives a living sacrifice and he talked about rhythms and the rhythms of our lives and we had a challenge to take the parts of our lives that just seem kind of normal and mundane and to actually make it an act of worship. And today we're continuing on. And to get us thinking about our topic, I'm going to invite you to join me in a little kind of scenario, okay? So we're going to use our imaginations. We're going to put our thinking caps on. And I want you to imagine that today fast forwards it goes really by really quickly. We go through tomorrow and we've arrived at Monday morning. Monday morning, 6 a.m., and I'm going to tell you something that's going to change your day and then I'm going to give you several would you rather options and see which one you would pick, okay? So we'll kind of learn a little bit about each other here. So at 6 a.m. Monday morning, you wake up and congratulations, you have each been given, can you imagine, a baby elephant. A little baby elephant just for you! How many of you are so excited? You always wanted a baby elephant! How many of you are the opposite of excited? Okay! (laughs) Whatever camp you're in you have that baby elephant and he's a very kind of a clingy baby elephant He still needs someone in his life. And so he's not he's not okay if you leave him over there all day He has to stay right with you He follows you around like a dog and actually you have to keep him on a little leash that's attached to your wrist So Monday morning picture whatever you have in store for the day. You now have a companion You have a baby elephant with you. So Would you rather, first thing, you come to seven o'clock, it's been one hour with this elephant, you're hungry, so you go and you get your oatmeal or your honey bunches of oats or whatever, you're gonna eat and then you say, what am I going to feed this elephant? You don't know. Would you rather Google, do a quick Google search, what do I feed this elephant, or would you rather phone a friend or your veterinarian to ask what they would feed an elephant? How many of you would Google? How many of you would make a phone call? Okay, okay. So you go into the day, you feed the elephant something we don't know yet, and so the elephant is fine, and you're coming up to around 745, and it's time for work, or it's time for school, or let's say you're retired, it's time for your appointment for that day. Let's say you have an appointment that day. So now you have a choice. Are you going to go in and you're going to take the elephant with you to class? Or are you just going to say, "Mm, I'm calling in sick, or I'm doing this virtual, or I'm going to have to cancel my appointment? So how many of you say, I am ready to go. I am taking my elephant to work, and everyone's going to meet him and love him. Yes. Yes, you're going to take him to school with you. Okay, you are very brave. (laughs) How many of you are saying, "Mm, this is a good day to, to stay virtual? to to stay home, we're going to do it that way, okay, okay. So you keep going through the day, whatever happens, you stay home with your elephant or you go in, it's so fun. And you come to around 4 o'clock in the afternoon and you have two invitations. So you have it twice again. One, your grandparents have invited you over some good family, let's say um, close family of yours, and they said, oh, we'd love to see you and we'd love to have dinner with you. This is before they knew about the elephant. So picture your parents or your grandparents, whoever is closest by or whoever is um, family in in your life. So you could either go there or the other option is that someone and some of you are gonna have to think ahead and some of you are gonna have to think back for this one, okay? But there's someone, let's say that you um, are single and someone has said, hey, I'd love to just like meet up for coffee. And you're like, oh, I'd like to get to know them a little better. Or we'll just say it's one of your friends, okay? So you have two choices, what are you gonna do? You can't stay home, you have to bring the elephant. How many of you are gonna go see your family, you think your family would be okay with the elephant? Think they'd be good, okay? They don't mind, they'd love it, they'd love it. How many of you are like, I'm gonna be adventurous and I'm gonna go meet someone new with my elephant and I'm gonna go and get coffee? Anyone else? No, okay, maybe one, maybe one. Last scenario, we come to the very end of the day and you're exhausted because you've had this elephant, and you are so ready to just jump into your bed, and you're about to make a dive in, and you realize the elephant. (sighs) And you realize that if you sleep in your bed, the elephant is also going to be sleeping in your bed. You could have the elephant sleep on the floor, in which case you will be sleeping on the floor. So, how many of you say, it doesn't matter, I love my bed so much, I don't care if there's an elephant in my bed. I am staying in my bed. Doesn't matter. Okay, okay. How many of you say, there is no way that I will ever put an elephant in my bed. I will sleep on the floor, even if it keeps me awake all night long. (laughs) Okay, I love seeing the different hands in different families. We can all breathe a sigh of relief because I'm pretty sure this isn't going to happen on Monday. I will not be gifting any of you a baby elephant. But it's kind of funny to think about, right, how our lives could change so quickly. And maybe some of us, ha- of us have experienced that in different ways, maybe not quite as dramatic as a baby elephant. But how are we living? How are we walking through life? And really, what does it mean when we're following Jesus? What does it look like when we're living in the spirit? Is it something as dramatic and crazy as an elephant? And are we really experiencing that in our lives? So we're going to look at God's word today and look at this a little bit more, but let's pray first one more time. Jesus, thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for being with us right now through the power of your spirit and seeing us for seeing each person in this room and being so personal with us that you're talking to each one of us right now and you're having a little conversation and you're kind of laughing because you saw our answers to those questions and and you just love it because you gave us all different personalities. And I thank you that you're speaking to us, that your word is here. And so Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be distracted, that I wouldn't be distracted, that we'd be surrendered to you right now We invite you to talk to us wherever we need to hear you in our lives at this moment. We thank you, God, and pray this in your name. Amen. So any of you that have your Bibles today, we're going to be going around a little bit, but we're starting out in the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. And this is something that really affects the way that we live. You may have heard this verse before. You may have sung a song about it. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 reads, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. What are we called? Children of God. Children of God. Do we really take that in? Do we really know what that means to live as a child of God? You might say, yes, that's an easy question. But we're going to look at that a little bit more today. And it reminds me of another story about two children, specifically two sons, that Jesus told. And we're going to actually enjoy it through a little story that some of you uh, may recognize as kids, you may have seen these in Sabbath school, maybe not, but see if you can follow along. And if you want to, in your Bibles, open up while we're watching it to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, as we look at this story that Jesus told.
1: Stories of the Bible, the prodigal son. This is Jesus, Hey-o! who is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. While Jesus was on earth, he taught everyone about God's love. He healed many people from their sickness, performed many miracles like calming storms, and even raised people from the dead. Uh, wahoo! Yeah! Jesus taught everyone about God's love. All kinds of people would come to hear Jesus speak, including tax collectors and people who made bad choices. This made the Pharisees and Jewish leaders mad. Ugh! yuck. They didn't think that Jesus should be around these kind of people. Mm-hmm. So Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father,
0: Um, excuse me?
1: I want my share of your estate now, before you die. Okay. So his father agreed and gave his son his inheritance. A, woo-hoo. a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings. See ya. And moved to a distant land. And there, he wasted all his money in wild living. Huh? About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land. Aw, man. And he began to starve. Hey, you. He convinced a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the food he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. Finally, he said to himself, at home even the servants have food enough to spare, and here I'm dying of hunger. I know. I will go home to my father and apologize and ask him to take me on as a servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. Sir! His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. Huh? Hey, you! And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. Woo-hoo! All right! Party time! All right! Yahoo! The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, oh, man. but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to, and in all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after wasting your money, you celebrate by giving him a great feast. His father said to him, Look, dear son, You have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead, and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found."
0: The end, yes. So let's look at what happened in this story. Who do we have? Who are the characters? We started out, of course, we had Jesus and he's talking to the people. That was a little interesting um, introduction to that. And then we have a father and two sons, okay? But the part that you can't really tell from this and we can't even tell looking at our own day and age is what this would have been like for a family during this time. When Jesus told this story, right, he's living in the Middle East. And the way that the culture was, what this son did from, by walking away from his family was really, really bad. So bad to the point to where he basically walked away from the family and said, I don't want anything to do with you. And it also worked the other way as well, to where not only the family, but the whole village would say, you can't even come back here. You have dishonored us so much, and you've dishonored our family so much, (laughs) there's no way we'd even want to talk to you again. Because actually by talking to you, it would bring more shame on us. So we are able to retain our honor by trying to move forward. So you look at this story, what happens? This son gets to the point of so much desperation that he says, I'm gonna have to take a risk and I'm gonna have to go back. And he goes and Luke 15 verse 20 says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Do you know that in this time, what he had done, if he came back into the gates of the city, anyone that met him could actually stone him. That's what he had done. But they don't because what happens? The father gets to him first. And he does something else that's, that's even more against what they would do during at this time. It says he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. Men during this time do not run. You have these long, dignified robes. You are supposed to stay serene and calm and all this kind of a thing. So you shouldn't be out there welcoming someone in. And you're gonna, if you're going to go, you're going to walk sedately. But what does the Father do? <laughs> he sees from a long way off. He says, I'm not going to let anyone else get to him first. He kind of has to hitch up his robe a little bit, so he has to expose part of his leg also. You do not do that and he runs to his son. He throws his arms around him, he kisses him. He is going 100% against everything that he was taught, that he was raised growing up, because that's the heart of this father. And the son, sends, the son says to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Dad, I don't deserve this at all. But the father, and you could see it in the video, he is not even listening Quick, let's, let's get this going. Let's, let's get you some better clothes. I'm going to put a robe on you. I'm going to give you the sign of my authority. You are welcomed back. You are part of the family. Even though the son hadn't been living like a son, it's like he'd forgotten it in some ways. He turned, turned his back on his family. To the father, he was always a son. And what made him a son wasn't what he did or his performance. It was just who he was and it was his relation to the father. He was a son because he had a father. And we talk about him, we say, wow, that's beautiful. The lost son came home, but there's another son in this story, right? The older son. And can you imagine that moment too of his father saying, going out and saying, oh, why, why won't you come in? I mean, on one level, it's, it's a little bit awkward, but it's also really sad. You're a part of our family. I want you to experience this moment with me and with the rest of the family and your brother. But he's angry. Why is he so mad? And maybe some of us can put ourselves in this story and think, where would I be here? But we look at his answer in verse 29 and we can see a little bit of his heart. The older son answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. The only thing that this son can talk about is his performance. The things that he's done. This is what I've been trying to do, Dad. I've been trying so hard. I've been working so hard. It's been tiring. It's been long. I've been slaving. He uses that word for you. He's angry. He's resentful. But why? He's a son. Why has he been slaving? Why has he been living like a slave? He also, like his brother, has not been living like a son. He hasn't really experienced what it could be like to live with a father. His father says, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. That's what it means to be a son. To be with a father. To have access to all of that but he hadn't really appreciated it. He didn't really know who the father was. But notwithstanding all of that, his dad is taking all of that in. What does he still say to him? He calls him son. My son, I claim you. Even though you're not living like a son, even though this is hurting me right now, this is who you are to me. Both of these boys aren't living like sons. They don't know who they are at some point of the story. And at some point of the story, they don't know who the father is. And my question today is, how are we living? Do we know we read that verse, we're children of God? Are we living like children? Are we living like a son? Are we living like a daughter? God confirms in his word that he is talking about us when we flip over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, I'll be reading there from the ESV. Wherever you are there, it says, You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The Bible sets up a little bit of a contrast here, right? There's two spirits. He says, you did not receive a spirit of fear. And he contrasts it you have received the spirit of adoption as sons what's the spirit of fear that's what the older son was probably living in and maybe the younger one at some point too that trying that how can i be good enough how can i strive how can i how can i make it it's not restful it's not peaceful and that's how the younger son felt too right at some point i'm not worthy i don't deserve it But the father says no you haven't been given that spirit you've been given the spirit of adoption as sons that's living that's what the holy spirit is that's what he does in our lives how is that possible turn over to galatians chapter four galatians chapter four verses four and five but when the time had fully come god sent his son born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you an heir. So when the time has fully come the father with his great big heart of love sends jesus jesus comes he's one with the father so he's right on the same page with this he redeems us so that we could be redeemed that we might receive the full rights of son as sons because of what jesus did we get to receive it and then because we're sons god sent the holy spirit to live inside of us And he's the one that really confirms, that reminds us, that helps us to know and be and seals us that we are children of God. And this verse uses the word in verse 5, you might receive the full rights of sons. Jesus says, I claim you. That's what the Father says. But are we living like a son? Are we living like a daughter? Sometimes there are things and we hear it and we kind of take it in, but we don't really fully experience it. A few weeks ago, I went to meet a couple friends for a Bible study over at Cannon Coffee here in Apopka. And I came in the door and I was running late that day, that day because we meet at 8 a.m. and something had happened for whatever reason. And usually I order my tea or whatever I would get, but I thought, oh man, you know, they've already been here, they've already ordered something, so they're not gonna mind if I just kinda walk in, so let me just get that, let me not get anything. So I just go ahead and I sit down and we start reading and it's so nice, and then here comes this man and he walks in and he, he sees us all there and, and he says something to them and he's like, oh, are you enjoying your drinks? And they said, oh yeah. And he said, yeah, that was so fun just to do that and just for everyone. And I said, hold on, what what happened? Well, apparently, this guy had come in and paid so that everyone who ordered that morning could order for free. And he had already paid for everyone. And I'm over here saying, come on, like, this is the day that I'm running late. I should have gotten a nice drink. I should have gotten, like, the large one. I should have gotten some of those little donuts that they have and some of those little pastries that look so good. Like, that was my moment, and I missed it. I missed it. Sometimes there's things that are right there. God's word says, you've already received it. Past tense of adoption, the full rights of sons, but are we living like it? What does it mean to live with that? That's a place of peace. We're going to just turn back to Romans 8 in the message there. I think we have one more verse, Romans eight fifteen in the message. What does that look like? It says, this resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a child like, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are, father and children. Life as a child, life as a son, as a daughter, is a place of restfulness. A son that knows he's a son doesn't have to prove it. He just is. A daughter that knows she's a daughter isn't striving to be enough. That's a place that I have been. But I'm realizing that daughter, you realize you are a daughter. It's a place of peace. It's not a place of fear. It's a place of joy. It's a place of freedom. Not because of who we are. Not because of who I am. Not because of all the things that I have done or I haven't done not because of my feelings and whether or not I feel like a good child of God that day. I am a child of God, you are a child of God because of our relation to the Father. There's nothing we can do to change, we're we're his child and he's our dad because of who our father is and what he's done in our lives. So what's keeping you from living like a son? are you living like a son? Are you living like a daughter? Are you living like a child? And if not, what's keeping you from that? I invite you to just resonate on that and talk to Jesus about it.